0: We have been observing the Darling of Heaven as he talks to different people and encounters those who don't believe and explains to them who he is and what he is about. We've been going through this Why Jesus series focusing on these moments with Nicodemus and others who have questions for Jesus and wonder about his claims that he is making. He is the Darling of Heaven. In all of these encounters, he comes across as the winsome, loving uh, Lamb of God, and he's astonishing, amazing, in not only what he says, but in how he acts and who he is. And we fall in love with Jesus more and more as we hear about him and see him in the Scripture and contemplate who he is and what he is doing. And in the passage today, we have Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. This is the Palm Sunday passage. This is the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and he is the darling of heaven on this day. When we see him there on the Mount of Olives riding on this donkey, he knows what is coming. He knows he's going to be betrayed and arrested and Friday morning he'll be crucified, he's already told his disciples, that this is going to happen. And on Easter Sunday, next Sunday, I'm going to talk about, I told you so, what Jesus says after the resurrection and how the disciples couldn't get it before the resurrection. But in the wake of the resurrection and the empty tomb and seeing Jesus raised from the dead, now they understand his words. But Jesus knows what is coming as we go to Luke chapter 19 today to look at the protesters who reigned on this parade and what Jesus was calling from them in this passage, why it happened and what was going on. So we're in Luke chapter 19 this morning, and I'm starting to read with verse 28. Jesus has told a long parable. After Jesus has said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Verse 29, as he approached Bethphagee, As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices If you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace but now it is hidden from your eyes the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side they will dash you to the ground you and the children within your walls they will not leave one stone on another because You did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This prophecy of Jesus, haunting words fulfilled in the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70, when the temple was completely pulled down and destroyed and has not been rebuilt on the Temple Mount since. I had a moment of worship this week as I was in this passage and I was walking in the street of my neighborhood and just praying as I often do. I pray and walk. And I just felt this wonderful embrace from God. You know, just like I am in His very presence and I am resting in Him. And it's been a hectic few weeks and God is just renewing my strength and wrapping me up in His arms. And I just started to praise him for being the one who sustains me and keeps me, on whom I can depend, in whom I can stand. And I had a wonderful moment of worship, walking by myself in the neighborhood. And as I reflect on this moment on the Mount of Olives, I expect those disciples were experiencing that same wonder of the Lord's presence, and they were proclaiming His praises in loud and joyful uh, song. And I want to walk through this event with you and note the critics as we do, because mixed into this crowd are a group of people who do not believe. They don't believe it's the right thing that's happening, they don't want to praise God. And they actually asked Jesus to rebuke the disciples. But I want to start with this notion that the Lord needs this donkey. If somebody asks you, just tell them the Lord needs it. Does God need anything? Is God in need? Does God have a need? Jesus says, tell them the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. Some people think, well, that's Yahweh, God of Israel. He's the Lord, and he needs this donkey. Other people say, that's Kurios, the Lord Jesus. That's who it is. Hosanna to the Lord Jesus, and that's who needs it. Either way, however you understand, the Lord needs it. He needs it. He's got a need, and he needs it. God hooks up with people. He joins up with people. He gets in the yoke with people. And he asks people to partner with him in the work he's doing on this earth. And in this partnership, where God works in us and through us and uses us, privileges us to be part of his work, he needs things from us. And there's an owner who's got a donkey. Now, you may think a donkey is a small matter. But if you go anywhere in the third world today, the donkey is ubiquitous. From South America to Asia to Africa, these little beasts carry people and burdens. Sometimes the burdens are bigger than they are. Sometimes they're ridden with saddles, and sometimes they're ridden bareback. Sometimes they're hooked to uh, wagons. I've got a picture of one donkey that I took in Colombia. There was this little boy there, and I was somewhere in Colombia and I saw it and I took this picture and it reminds me of how the donkey is used in Colombia and South America and Indonesia and all over the world in the third world as a beast of burden as a means of transportation in the first century that's an important animal that's like your car or your pickup truck You got it parked out there in the driveway because you need that thing, and maybe you're not using it right now. But you got it tied up outside the house. Say this donkey's tied up out there. He's tied up for a reason, so he won't wander off because his owner may need him for something. We don't know what, we don't know when. Maybe the owner doesn't know what or when, but it's important to have that donkey available. And he looks outside, and there's some people untying the donkey. Hey. What are you doing? And the answer is, the Lord needs this donkey. The Lord needs this donkey. Why not some other donkey? Lots of people have donkeys. Why do you need my donkey? Because the Lord needs it from you. Now, this owner might have been enthusiastic about that. I don't know. He might have been reluctant about that. Well, okay, take my donkey then it ends up being the most famous donkey in the history of the world. From now on, this man could say, Jesus rode down the Mount of Olives on my donkey. And that's big news. God took his donkey and turned him into the famous animal. I've been talking about giving, as you know. And I I can't read this text. I never saw it before, okay? I can't read this text without thinking about what we got tied up that God needs. Well, we got tied up waiting on something. Maybe we don't know what it's tied up for. And the Lord comes along and says, I want to... I want to use that. And we say, why? And he says, because I need it. I need that. You and I are working together on this thing, and I need what you got tied up. Well, Lord, what are you going to do with it? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to exalt my name and all the earth through this donkey. I'm going to proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah through this donkey. I'm going to set the people praising through this donkey. You say, how can a donkey do all that? Well, Zechariah the prophet said, and everybody knew the prophecy, that the Messiah was going to come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And when they put Jesus on that donkey on the Mount of Olives and started heading down toward Jerusalem... Everybody understood, this reminds them, of when Solomon rode into Jerusalem on David's mule. It was an announcement that here comes the king. So what am I going to do with that donkey? I'm going to tell the world that Jesus is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what God's going to do with what you got tied up. You say, well, that's tied up. I know. But the Lord needs it. What he's going to do with it is he's going to exalt his name in all the earth. And he's going to exalt his son and proclaim him as Savior. He's going to set the people to praising through the donkey untied and given to Jesus. So, Lord... What I got tied up that you need, you're welcome to. There's not anything more important that I could do with what I got tied up than to let Jesus use it. Meet his need. Meet his need. In your partnership with the one who called you and saved you by his grace, forgave all your sin, and is now preparing you a place in heaven. You meet his need. We asked everybody to pray. That's all we're asking everybody to do, is just pray and see what God says to you about what you got tied up. Meet his need and, number two, Give Him praise. I want us to praise God as we give to Him through our offerings to the church, through these special offerings that we're receiving. I want them to be offerings of praise. They had praise offerings in the Old Covenant, and I want us to have praise offerings in the New Covenant because I want our congregation to be full of the joy that happened on the Mount of Olives on this day. They are joyously giving praise to God. They're raising their voices in joyful song. It's not just about that moment, it's about a lifetime of joy and praise given unto God because He is worthy. Now, there are critics there. There are critics who say he shouldn't be on a donkey, he doesn't need a donkey. Who does he think he is getting on that donkey? Why does he think he deserves a donkey to go into Jerusalem? The critics are sitting back and saying, wait just a minute now. We don't want him on that donkey. And then they start hearing the praise. And they turn to Jesus and say, stop these people from praising. We don't want these people praising. What's going on here? Well, there are critics in every parade. You start praising the Lord, you start giving to the Lord and meeting his need, passing that donkey onto him, and somebody's going to object. Somebody's going to say, wait a minute, that's not right. There are people who stay stirred up inside. They have a critical spirit. They hear whatever, and they have a criticism for it. And these critics are at the parade. They never get into things. You know, they give no praise to God on this day. Sometimes we think praise only happens when we feel good. But I want to propose to you that praise is powerful, okay? That praise changes how you feel and how you understand your circumstances. Praise has the power to do that. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then the psalmist said, praise ye the Lord. You praise the Lord. I got this long finger, okay? I'm saying, you praise the Lord. You praise the Lord. And you may be thinking, I just don't feel like praise. Because life is hard and it is difficult and I am sad and I feel depressed and I'm in despair. I'm confused, whatever. And I'm going to say it again. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. There's an answer to the problem that you've got in how you feel. And praise is at the core of it. If you will start praising God, no matter what your circumstances or how you feel, if you will give God his due and start praising him, God's going to change how you feel. I mean, I challenge you to do it, okay? I've done it myself. God, can you actually do that? And when I start praising God for all he has done, for who he is, for his magnificence, I start feeling better. My circumstances haven't changed. I may still be in the same place I was, but God is changing how I feel. God will do that for you. I recommend it. I'm going to give you a prescription now. A prescription of praise to practice what these disciples were practicing as Jesus came down that road on the Mount of Olives. I think they came over the hill and they looked out And they could see now the city of Jerusalem. They came over the mountain crest. And when you come over the mountain crest, there's the city of Jerusalem laid out. And it is beautiful. And you can see that eastern wall. And right now you can see the dome of the rock glistening there in the sun. The temple's never been rebuilt there. There's the dome of the rock there. But it is a beautiful sight when you look toward the city of Jerusalem from the Mount Jerusalem. Of olives. And when those disciples and Jesus' parade get to that point, they just burst out in this song and praise to the Lord and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that praise changes how they feel. Praise also changes your perspective, how you see yourself and the world. See, praise is the acknowledgement that there is a great God in heaven, who loves us amazingly and is involved in our lives and is calling us unto himself and is worthy of our praise. That this great God who made the heavens and the earth is a good God. He is the very definition of good. He is fundamentally, intrinsically good. That this God is a God of love. And so I give him praise and honor his name. And as I do, I renew my vision. Now I'm seeing the world in a little different light. And guess what? It's a more truthful way to see the world. What happens to you when you're hurting is that the pain cries out for attention. It wants you to pay attention. And if the pain is deep and the sorrow is deep and you're feeling this on the inside, it calls out it again and again, hey, pay attention to me. Your pain can actually suck you in until it becomes the way that you approach day after day the life that you're living. You're living out of the context of that pain. You're seeing the world from the point of view of that pain. And you suppose that seeing everything from the point of view of your pain is an accurate way to see the world. But you're actually bigger than your pain. Your world is wider and greater than your pain. And if you let your life funneled down to just this place of sorrow and trouble and darkness. You will not see the world like it really is. Praise delivers you from that dark hole, seeing the whole world from the point of view of your pain. To see in the world from the one who is seated on the throne, high and lifted up, and knows all things and rules over this universe with a heart of love and care for these creatures he has made. So praise changes my perspective, and praise even changes my understanding so that I don't understand the world anymore the way I used to when I was captured by my pain. Now I see the world in the context of the great God who made it and his love for me. And my pain is in its proper perspective. You say, well, it feels to me like God's ignoring my pain. No. Jesus knows when he rides through the praises of his people that five days from now, they're going to hang him up to die. He knows this. He knows he has this horrible journey through which he will travel until he says it is finished on the cross. He knows this. The other people don't know it, but he does. And yet he joins in this parade of praise. He insists that it happens. And he knows if these disciples were to stop singing and praising, the stones themselves would cry out. Why? Because God has ordained it. He's ordained it in His universe. He's ordained it in your life. He has ordained praise. He heals you through it. He changes your outlook through it. He changes your mindset. He changes how you feel through this great prescription of praise. God ordained praise on this day, and it was going to happen no matter what the critics said if you have this sand in your spirit and your heart starts moving against the voice of praise if you don't want folks to praise god around you if it if it feels unfit to you like it doesn't work to you then i'm afraid you may be on the sideline with a critic saying tell those disciples to hush Rebuke those disciples. That's not the way it is. I want you to back up. Ask yourself Is praise real praise? Praise that is released from my heart. Is it part of my walk? Is it part of my life? Is it part of my spirit? Is it who I am? Is this something that is in me? And if not, to step out today on this Palm Sunday and say, from now on, every day is Palm Sunday for me. And I'm gonna give God the praise that is due Him. I'm not gonna sit back and be disgruntled and the person who is always out of sorts. I'm going to be the person who sees the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's who I'm gonna be. You say, I can't turn it on and off. God commanded you to praise knowing you could turn him down yeah you can say no but if you do you surrender what he intends to do in your feeling in your perspective and in your thinking give him praise meet his need receive his peace doesn't this speech of Jesus as he looks over Jerusalem Isn't it it haunting? Ever since I was a boy, after I read that passage, I thought, man, this is is heavy. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed prophets and stoned those who are sent to you, how often would I have gathered you like a hen gathered her chicks under her wings, but you wouldn't come. He looks at this city and he says, oh, if you only you had known in this day what would bring you peace if only you knew what would bring you peace he looks at the city and says oh if you only knew what would bring you peace maybe he's looking at you today and he's saying if you only knew what would bring you peace what would calm the storm in your heart What would help you sleep at night? What would calm those feelings that are so tattered? What would calm your mind down if you only knew what would bring you peace? Don't you want that? Don't you want peace? I mean, we treasure peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be Troubled, neither let it be afraid. Not troubled, not afraid. That's your heart. How? How? Where's this peace come from? He himself is our peace. These critics cannot enjoy the peace of God. They are standing in the very presence of the Prince of Peace. Yeah. Jesus gives the peace he himself is the peace he brings life together why is Jesus the peace because he is the very presence of the eternal God in the midst of his people his name is Emmanuel which is God with us and this is where peace comes from And the only place it comes from, peace, comes from Christ himself. He reconciles us unto God. We are reconciled, we are made right with God through Jesus. And every day, every thought, every relationship is part of that work of being made right with God that Jesus does in us. We say, oh, if I could just get back in control, then I would have peace. When I'm, back in, when I'm in control of things, I can just kind of relax. But when life spins out of control, it just drives me nuts. You know, I got to be in control to have peace. Some people are saying, I would have peace. I'd be okay if I could just understand why. I got a why that needs an answer. And if I can't get this why answered, I can't get to peace. And I'm here to to say today, your peace is not in your control of the world around you, nor is it in you understanding the why of all that's happened to you and those that you love. Your peace is not in those things. If you, only you, would know on this Palm Sunday what would bring your peace, it is Jesus himself. He is our peace. He breaks down the barriers between us and other people and between us and God, and he brings us into the loving unity of the Spirit that we long for as the deepest need of our hearts. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you only knew. Receive his peace and enjoy his presence. Enjoy his presence. These critics, they don't have any peace and they don't know that God's right there among them. All these things are going to happen, Jesus said. There's going to be such trouble in Jerusalem. Why? Because you did not know. You did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You missed it. God came to you, intended to bless you and to do something amazing in your life, and you did not recognize it was God. Here are these critics saying, hush these disciples up, rebuke them. They don't need to be singing and praising God like this. You don't need to be riding on this donkey. They're standing in the very presence of, of God. It is at this very moment that God is unveiling in the earth the one that is to be the savior of the world. He is the one who's going to die on the cross. This is the lamb of God, and right now he's being recognized as God's anointed one, as the king. He's the king, he's the king, and he comes in the name of the Lord. This very moment, God is amazingly at work, and they're sitting there with their hearts stone cold. And so much of the heartache that came was because they did not recognize the time of God's coming to them. I tell you, there comes a moment when nothing else matters. But do you know Christ Jesus? Are you in the presence of God? Do you know that God is in your life and you are in him? Do you feel his arms around you? Are you aware that you are his child, his son, and his daughter? Nothing else matters, but are you safe in him? It's the only place you can be. And to nestle down into the arms of God, to know that you are covered over by the shadow of his wings, that you are hidden in the hollow of his hand. To know this is to have the peace of God cover your life. Enjoy his presence. The disciples enjoyed that day. They enjoyed the presence of God. The critics stood back and criticized, but the disciples experienced a moment of God's glory. Some of us get covered up with a dark blanket, and we can't seem to see through it no matter what happens. What God wants to do for you on this Palm Sunday is to grab that dark blanket that's covered you up, that's hemmed you in, that's reduced your focus to such a small place of pain and trouble, and just pick it up and throw it aside. And let his light flood into your heart for you to know that God loves you and that he is good, that he cares for you and that he is right here. You have an appointment with him. He has made it on your behalf just as he made this appointment on Palm Sunday. It is an appointment of praise, of peace and of worship. A moment to recognize that God is God and there is no other. Bow with me, please. If you've never trusted Jesus as Savior, what a a great moment on this Palm Sunday to say, Lord, I recognize you as the King who has come in the name of the Lord, as the Blessed One. Would you do it? If you've never trusted Jesus, why not bow your head and say, Lord, I need you in my life. Forgive me for my sin. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead, and I give my life unto you. Would you pray that prayer of surrender unto him? Maybe you've not been baptized. What a moment to say, Lord, I want to follow through with this. I've been waiting, and the time has come. Maybe you need a church home. You can come as well. Lord, we commit to you this moment of decision. We know we're in your presence, God. Help us to enjoy your presence this morning. God, I pray for the troubled soul that that person would be able to receive the peace which is you. Lord, I pray that you will let us know what it is that you need and help us to untie it and let it go. Do your work in us, we pray in Jesus' name.